0: Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Melissa Rebello, and I'm here with my freshly coiffed co-host, Dr. Jay Calvert. How are you?
1: I am I'm tried, tried to be coiffed after the operating room, but uh, this is all I got. That's
0: not bad. You got a little haircut recently, and it's, it's looking pretty nice.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, not only that, uh, I also noted that one of our haters on our live uh, Instagram who said, like, how could I listen to you talk about plastic surgery with a face like that? <laughs>
0: You know, it goes back to, like, <laughs> if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at uh, all. Like, did you forget that lesson in kindergarten?
1: I know, but then you, like, go, like, yeah, maybe that's a good point. <laughs> 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 and then you have to realize, like, the only plastic surgeons that are going to have enough experience to really speak about the continuum, the you know, of plastic surgery... Happen to be a little got some years on them. That's how it is. They got to be a little older. That's that's the deal. You don't know this stuff coming out of your residency the way that somebody who's been around twenty years knows it.
0: That is true. And for the most part, at least I feel like. Well, I don't know what percentage of plastic surgeons end up getting plastic surgery themselves. I feel like it's a fairly small percentage.
1: I think. The plastic surgery men get less plastic surgery. The men. The men for
0: sure. I don't know what that's about. Um, I don't know.
1: I mean, I will get it, you know, especially, you know, with comments like that, you got to, I know I want to do it. Like, and it's just like, okay, maybe it's time. I I get it. (laughs) You know, it's just, uh, but you know, that's the thing. It's like, you do want to look your best. And so, you know, plastic surgery for plastic surgeons is an interesting topic. I I think that might be something uh, for one of our upcoming podcasts.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe next time we'll talk about that in some way.
1: However, today, today we have a follow-up podcast to our breast implant uh, position placement podcast because we did say they're like we're not talking about the different types of implants. And I realized we hadn't talked about breast implant styles and types of implants and high profile and low profile and moderate plus and and different fill types uh, probably in a long while,
0: yeah, no, that's a really good point. And it can be it's a very it's a very specific topic. Um, but it's definitely one that when patients come in and they've done their research on breast implants, like they know it all or, or like they have a good idea of it. And they, I want a you know, moderate plus profile. I measured myself. My base width is this and this is what I think I need. So the, it's, it's helpful to have a little more information, a little more clarity out there about how we look at the implants and how they are made and the different styles. Um, and then also what we do with that information in terms of actually putting them in patients.
1: Right, because the reality is is that the breast implant itself is one of the many, many factors that go into making a beautiful breast augmentation result. It's not that you just put in this implant, it's going to be awesome. There is a whole host of, of parameters around generating the beautiful result with a breast augmentation and knowing the implants themselves is a factor in getting that great result, which is why, again, seeing a little gray hair on your surgeon <laughs> isn't a bad thing,
0: right? Right, um, and yeah, it, it's true. Like the the there's many factors, and the actual implant style is one of them. The placement, like we talked about on our last podcast, is another. The patient's inherent breast, you know, anatomy is another one. So there's all these different factors, but today we're just talking about the implants themselves. So. At their most basic, when you're looking at implants, you have a choice between saline and silicone. A saline implant is a implant that has a silicone shell, so there is still silicone in that implant, but the outer shell is silicone, and inside it is filled with saline or salt water, as compared to a silicone implant, which has a silicone shell on the outside and is filled with a silicone gel on the inside. And... They are both viable options and some plastic surgeons have reasons why they do one versus the other. My preference is silicone. I'll, I don't know. What's your preference?
1: I I have not put in a saline implant in a very long time other than I've changed out somebody who had saline implants who wanted to continue saline implants. Correct. It's not my first choice. Same. I always <laughs> choose silicone gel. Um, They're very different. There was a whole hoopla in the 90s that actually put a moratorium on silicone gel Correct. because they there was a connection made that was false between uh, autoimmune disease and silicone. Whether or not that, and, and I do always preface all my comments about you know what's true and what's not true. I always say somebody somebody the the breast implants don't work for everybody. I'm going to just go out there and say that because we talk all about breast implant illness. We talk about what happened in the 90s. We talk about people that have. Reactions to their implants. I think all those things are possible. Some people, it just doesn't work. Most people, it does work. And most, you know, women and now a lot of uh, transgender patients who are getting implants. The, the implants work great. Yep. They're they're fantastic, yep. and that's yep. great. Yep. And if they don't work for you, then then get them out. That's And we that's put it, them in period, breast the
0: reconstruction patients all the time. All the time. And guess what?
1: They do great. They have no problems. Right. So saline versus silicone, uh, my preference is silicone. Saline's not bad. I did, there was a time period we only had saline implants when I was training. So I did a ton of saline implants and they look great and people were very happy with them. So, you know, pick your, your implant Um, more importantly, and, and, and you do need to decide which one you want because the size of the implant, the style of the implant, depending on what's filled, it, it is filled with changes my... Decision-making based on what breast tissue is there, what isn't there, in how big, how wide, how projected, whether it's a low profile, moderate profile, moderate plus profile, high profile, extra high profile, extra filled. All those things become a factor depending on the material you're filling the implant with.
0: Yeah. And so there's pros and cons to each of them. Um, I think with a saline implant, um, sometimes for patients, it's a financial thing. Saline implants are cheaper. And so some patients just prefer to have a cheaper implant. By a lot. Um, like by a lot, yeah. About half the cost of a silicone implant. You know, for the general silicone implants are about $2,000 for a pair. Saline is like $800 to 1000 So it's, it's a lot less. So cost is a consideration sometimes. Sometimes patients are just very wary about having silicone in their bodies although again, it has a silicone shell, so you still have silicone in your body, but if it were to rupture or leak, there is no leaking silicone. To me, that's a downside because when a saline implant ruptures, it's kind of a surgical emergency because it's a ruptured water balloon. Here today, gone tomorrow, flat, you are completely asymmetric depending on your baseline anatomy. And so you're walking around with one breast that's inflated and one that's completely deflated. Whereas if a silicone implant ruptures, you won't even know about it. The breast won't change size. You won't even have any symptoms. The only way you would know would be to get an MRI and see that there was a, a crack in the shell. I do think silicone implants are a little bit softer and a little more natural feeling. Um, so that's my preference is for the silicone. I think that they just have a better, you know, profile overall in terms of how long they last and just in terms of how they feel and how they look.
1: For sure. I mean the uh... And you know there's there are obviously different companies that make these implants. Uh, just to uh, clarify, Dr. Ravello and I have no financial interest in any of these companies. I, I don't own any stock in any of these companies. I don't know if you do or not, but it's uh, I have nothing to disclose about any relationship with the companies. Um, but I always have preference on what type of implant I want to use in what situation. And I don't, I don't have a dog in the race in which one of these companies gets my business. I go buy the implant that's going to do the best job for my patient. And sometimes it's Sientra. Most of the time it's Sientra. Quite honestly, I like those implants the best. Um, But sometimes it's Allergan and sometimes it's uh, the Mentor implants. And it's, uh, and soon to be, very soon I think we will have Motiva implants, which I got the, the great pleasure of using in Dubai. And I really like those implants.
0: Yeah, so right now in the United States, those are the three that we have: Mentor, Allergan, and Cientra. We can kind of go through the different ones that they have, um, as available as availabilities in terms of their ranges. Um, I do think it's inter- interesting to note that Cientra, which is the newest uh, company to make implants, although they've been around for you know at least over a decade or so, they do not have saline implants in their repertoire. At all. At all. They don't make them. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we don't make them. We don't think they're a good product. We don't want to put a new warranty on them. So we don't make them. So if you want a saline implant, you're looking at Allergan or Mentor as your saline implant uh, provider. All, So we're going to segue now and just talk about silicone implants going forward. The silicone implants... Back in the 90s, when people were having problems with the silicone leaking into their breast tissue, going to their lymph nodes, that was a very runny, liquidy silicone. We've had a few generations of silicone implants since then, and the current generation is more like a silicone gel. Um, and it has what's called different levels of cohesivity. Cohesivity just being sort of like the thickness or the gooiness of the gel. And Back in probably 2014 or something, Allergan came out with a term called gummy bear. And gummy bear referred to the highest level of cohesivity Which that their implants have. Also. sounds delicious Who doesn't want have gummy bear implants? Sounds, <laughs> sounds deli- so tasty. No, mm, no, no, no. I love gummy bears. <laughs> Can I take a nibble? Yeah, like who doesn't <laughs> want gummy bear implants? Um, but all it meant was that their gel is similar to a gummy bear. If you were to cut a gummy bear in half that gel on the inside is not going anywhere. It's not leaking outside of the capsule. It's not going into the breast tissue. It's not going into the body. So that's why it's called a gummy bear. But since that, all implant companies have adopted some version of a gummy bear implant. Um, And it just refers to a silicone gel that is more uh, cohesive and less runny than previous generations.
1: Right. The the. The thing about the cohesive gel, the the way you can think of it is, if you were to cut the implant in half, there's nothing leaking anywhere. It right. just it sticks together. It's so cohesive. It's, yeah, and um, and the gummy bear implants, interestingly, are are my least favorite implants because oh, they're, they're I like rocks.
0: Damn them! So that, but that, but they were the original. They were the original. They were the original. And, that,
1: and since then, they backed off on the cohesiveness. Right. And I think they've kind of got it dialed in now, especially like Sientra. I just think you know, I think the, the mentors are a little too soft. The allergens are a little too firm and the mentor and the Sientras yes, right. are just yes, right. You know, and that, that really is. And, and there are times that I want mentor and there's times that I want, uh, allergen and, and they're, they're very, you know, if somebody is like a capsule former, for instance, they form capsules all the time. They, they've had three rounds of capsules and they're, coming to me with kind of firm tissue to begin with, and I've got to do a capsulectomy. I may think of mentor for them a little bit more than I would, uh, Sientra or, or the, uh, the elegance, even though I will say this, according to the data, the Sientra has a, the lowest cap con rate, but I'm trying to balance that against the, I and I haven't had like a massive amount of capsular contracture with, uh, mentor versus Sientra to me in my book, it's about the same, uh, I have a different experience with Allergan, but that's my experience. I don't know what their data says. You can go whatever. But with Allergan, I've had, it seems to me I've had a higher capsular contracture rate. It doesn't mean anything. It's just my experience. Um, so based on my experience and the results I've gotten and what the history of the patient is and what I'm trying to achieve, I'm going to pick the implant from whichever company works for me. I, I don't have a, you know, I, I don't get points for <laughs> using, you know, more Sientra implants or what, like that doesn't, that's not the deal. Although I think with Allergan, we do get some sort of point system with them, but I I don't, I don't know what it is. So I always choose the implant based on what I'm trying to achieve and what the device is going to do for the patient in front of me, not based on, you know, anything else. I want to customize the deal. I want to customize that operation so that they get the best result possible for them.
0: Yeah, and it just depends on, on what you're comfortable working with and what the devices can offer. So where it gets confusing for patients is in all the different terminology that the different companies use. Totally. So Allergan is sort of like the like, number one largest like big company of everything, and their implants come in three different levels of cohesivity. So this is their their lightest, most liquidy, gooey version of an implant is called responsive. And then above that, you have what's called a soft touch, which is like a medium level of cohesivity. And then above that, you have what's called the cohesive, and that's the original gummy bear. And right. those are very firm, historically kind of only used in reconstruction patients who really needed more actual structure to their reconstruction. Um, But even then, I've stopped using them in my reconstruction patients, and I routinely just use soft touch in my reconstruction patients. Mm Because the problem I had with the cohesives is that they flip, especially if it's a larger implant, just the weight of gravity, especially in a reconstruction patient, which has a destroyed pocket from the mastectomy, they bend over, the implant flips. And it's just, they're heavy, the patients complain that they're heavy, and I just don't see a benefit to it. The thought is that the more cohesive the implant, the less rippling you will see through the skin because they're more solid as opposed to liquidy. So in a reconstruction patient that doesn't have any breast tissue, it's a good idea because there's less rippling visible through that thin skin. But the soft touches seem to do just as well in that regard, and they're not as heavy. I don't have as much a problem with them flipping. And I tend to use the soft touch in my cosmetic patients as well. It's a nice mid-level cohesivity. And then the lightest version is called the responsive. I don't really like those. They're too floppy. They don't have enough structure for me. I, I don't use those unless someone specifically asks to use them. So that's the Allergan brand.
1: Yeah, they're, they are um, I guess, to quote Fat Bastard from uh, uh, Austin Powers, it's squishy.
0: <laughs> Very squishy. Right? Super squishy. Yeah, I like that. So I don't Not really good. use those. And then on the Sientra side, they have two versions. Um, There's
1: a lot of people right now are going like, I can't believe he just did that. It's squishy. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Austin Powers fans are like, yes, that's <laughs> absolutely what it is. But they are. They're very squishy. They're very squishy. And it, it's not it, it's not really breast-like.
0: No. And it just, I, I, I'm not a fan. There's plenty of people out there that like them. It's just not for me.
1: Why would you like that, though? I, I, I think, I guess it depends on your concept of what the breast is you're trying to create. Right, like if you—if that's what you're trying to create.
0: If you want a really natural, like soft, super soft,
1: like you know, kind
0: of saggy breast, swishy, then, yeah. saggy <laughs> breast. <laughs> then it's the implant for you.
1: <laughs> I guess.
0: If you want a little more oomph. Yeah, a little more. Like I yeah. don't know. I
1: guess. Yeah, it d- depends on what you think.
0: Depends on the what breast you're
1: is like. you're trying to create. Yeah.
0: Um, and so then the Cientra versions—they have two as opposed to Allergan's three. They have two. There's the generic HSC, and then there's HSC Plus. The HSC Plus is sort of equivalent to the Allergan Soft Touch. It's that mid-level cohesivity. The HSC is equivalent to the Allergan Responsive. It's that lower level of cohesivity. They don't have a super high... Gummy bear no. version. They just had the I two. I think they
1: just stayed away from that because they the flipping no and the and the firmness. I'm, and by the way, I've had patients who came in without flipping, and it's like <laughs> it's
0: the worst. And it's
1: like, can you flip it back? I'm like, hmm, I try, I'll try. It, it's it's yeah. really hard.
0: It's really hard. So flipping and
1: imp- I think I have a video of that intense. actually. You know, I think I have a video of that flip that uh, might be helpful for our listeners. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can dig that up. Cool.
0: Yeah, right. that is, that would be very helpful. Um, there's no way in hell I'd be able to. Get the actual flipping on video because you can never predict when it's going to flip on you. <laughs> no,
1: but I think I like it was like I have it flipped and I show it because the flat side is. To oh, the front you show what and it then, looks like. And then I have a video of how to, how I flipped it. Yeah, which is brutal, D- disturbing, I guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> at best. And then to see it back normal, you really can tell the difference. Yeah. And so maybe people who have those might be interested. Yeah, no, that's a very cool it.
0: video. But um, yeah, so that's that's the Cientra line. And then Mentor is different. Mentor ne- never really got super into cohesivity levels. They didn't so much change their gel formulations over time. What they did is they said, oh, so we're trying to make implants that don't have rippling. Let's just overfill our implants with more silicone, and therefore there won't be any rippling. But they didn't actually change the formulation of their gel. So Mentor has overfilled implants, which is sort of their version of an Allergan Soft Touch or a Sientra HSC+. And so that is that is what's inside of your implant. And whichever one you get, it kind of depends a little bit on surgeon preference and what they use a lot and what they're comfortable with. Because I think it's really hard for a patient to go into a consult asking for a specific kind of cohesivity. Because unless you are intimately familiar with how each of these feel and look in different patients, it's hard as a patient to understand what you're asking for when it comes to cohesivity. There are other things. Um, metrics of an implant that patients do have more say in, but I don't know if the cohesivity is necessarily one of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the, you know, this is where the internet becomes dangerous because, you know, there are times when patients will come and say, this is what I want and I want you to put this in. And I'm like, well, you know, that's not really the best thing for you. No, oh, it's what I want. It's my friend has it, da, 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 da. Right. Not understanding how much individual variation there is in breast augmentation surgery. And this is this is my message all the time on any of these podcasts. We talk about breast augmentation. This is not an easy operation. It, it is not. not. People it's think not. it's easy and it is not easy. And it's easy to do from a surgical standpoint, but getting beautiful results, like the, the results that you know my, in my fitness model and, and uh, bodybuilder population want, no, it's not easy. And, and the demands are high and uh i i get that so that's why i spend so much time trying to pick out the right implant pick out the right level of cohesivity and to pick out the right base width for the implant and the right projection and you know i had a patient recently that came to me from uh, northern california and we talked about high profile high profile i brought her into surgery I made the pocket put in the high profile implant and it looked terrible it just looked like like, to, to quote my, my patient, it looked like torpedo. <laughs> and it, it was terrible. And uh, it just, I switched to the moderate plus And, you know, afterwards, she was like, oh my God, you know, we didn't talk about that. And I was like, well, I said I would use the right implant for you. And this was the right implant. And sure enough, they look beautiful. She's like, oh my God, I'm so glad they don't look like torpedoes. I was like, that's right. You didn't want that. You wanted yeah. a beautiful, natural look. And the implant that we talked about, which seemed to be the right fit based on our exam, the evaluation base with. All the things we did, the chest wall shape, it, it seemed like that would be the right thing. But then once it was there, there was too much breast tissue overlying it. There was too much projection. It was not what we wanted from these are the photos of the people that I want to look like. Yeah. And so that's why you have to change. And so having having the experience to see where to go with these operations is really important. And that's why I, I just need people to understand it is not like a, like my friend got this. I want this. No, she's five foot seven. You're five foot three. She weighs 190 pounds. You weigh 120 pounds. This is a totally, totally different operation at that point.
0: Right. It's the difference between ready to wear, buying it off the rack, an okator tailored for you, if you will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I, and I saw you had a visit. Did you go to your uh, your tailor or your cobbler today? I
0: went to my cobbler today.
1: <laughs> so there's always a little.
0: There's always one or the other in any given week. <laughs> on
1: Wednesday, there's usually some trip to some sort of couture <laughs> moment where seamstress. there's something needs to seamstress, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you going out. I go. I bet she's going to the seamstress. I just nope, cobbler. I was busy operating, <laughs> but you know. There you go.
0: Um, but what you touched on, uh, we should kind of break down a little bit. You're talking about profiles. And so that is definitely something patients come in requesting specifically. And what we're referencing here is the profile of the implant, meaning how far it projects off the chest wall. So if you are looking at a patient from the side, how far does that implant project on profile? And again, it kind of ranges between the various brands. But to keep it simple, you sort of have, well, Allergan has lots. They have low, then they have low plus and then medium and then high, Sientra has low, moderate, mod plus, and high. And all of that goes to say, if you take any given volume of silicone, so say you have a 300cc cup of silicone and you put it into an implant shell, if you have a moderate profile implant shell, that 300cc is gonna be spread out in a more wider direction, and less in a forward projected position. If you pour the 300 cc's into a high profile shell, the width is gonna be narrower, but it's gonna project out more. So it's still the same volume, but how it's distributed is different. And it gives very different looks, very different. So a moderate profile implant is going to be a very natural breast look as opposed to a high profile implant which is usually a very augmented look and so a lot of it just depends sort of on the spectrum of where patients want to end up
1: and what they're starting with
0: and what they're starting with
1: do you have breast tissue do you have no breast tissue like the high profile gels to me are for patients who are essentially with very little breast, very tissue, little breast tissue and they want to have a more augmented you know like Kind of eye-catching look, and yeah. and then you go to the high profile. If you have very little breast tissue, but you don't want it to be, you know, so noticeable, maybe you're doing a moderate plus with a lower volume. So all those things, and the and the projection, like the ranges, really like a low profile. The projection might be three centimeters off the chest wall, and the high profile might by, be five point six centimeters yep. off the off the chest wall for the same volume of silicone. Right.
0: And the only way that they're changing that projection is by narrowing. The implant. The base width. So this is where the base width becomes an important calculation. So if you have someone that has maybe... And a base width is just basically the width of any given breast footprint on the breast. So from like the side of the chest wall to the midline where the breast sits. That's your base width and it's measured in centimeters. So if you have someone that has a larger base width and doesn't really want to have large implants, And there's someone who may be more on the moderate, moderate plus category because you can get an implant that's wide enough to fit them without being overly large and projected. Versus if you have a very skinny woman, she has a base width of, you know, 11 or 12 centimeters, you're going to need an implant that's a lot smaller in a width, and then you can vary the amount that you put into the implant. So I usually am in between moderate plus and high profile, just depending on what the patient wants. In a blue moon, I will put in a moderate, and that's usually in patients that just don't want anyone to know they have an implant in.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you're using implants for different purposes, right? Some people have beautiful breasts, they just want a little more volume, then, yeah, then a moderate implant will just add volume yeah. and it'll spread it out over the base width of the breast. That's great. But if they want to like that same breast, they might say, I really want to, I want people to see this, I want an augmentation. Then you're going to go to moderate plus or a high profile with more volume and because you need it to be narrower to fit into the breast. And these are the factors that are elusive to, I think, some surgeons and patients in terms of generating the beautiful result, which once again brings us home to the, the statement, look at the before and after photos of your surgeon because that is what they will do for you. They will produce their eye goes to a certain result mm-hmm. that, you know, if you look and you say, boy, you know, this, every one of the surgeon's implants are really far apart and there's a lot of space between the implants and I like that, then you go there. If you say, boy, this surgeon has a lot of cleavage on his patients, There's their implants are close together and they look really great because I love cleavage, then you go there. But you have to look at the before and afters because the style is generated by their understanding of what beauty is and what breast beauty is and what their patients are asking for. It is it is so clear to me who has done certain augmentations because they they have styles, Every all of us do.
0: Yeah, it's just inherent in what we think makes a beautiful breast or what we like. So there is definitely some surge in variability in terms of what implant styles and profiles they prefer to use. Um, and then once you sort of looked at what kind of implant you're going to have, and what level of cohesivity, and what profile, then you can sort of really talk about like what size you're going for, and that's that's loosey goosey, and that doesn't really have. Oh, it's really hard to to come in and say I want a 325 implant because that 325 implant on you is totally different than that 325 implant on a six foot you know four person. So the, that's where I really like pictures. You come in with a photo. And show me the size you like, and I will translate that to what that means for your body. If you're a five foot one girl or a five foot 10 girl, you're gonna need different sized implants for the same look. So that's where a little bit of back and forth with the surgeon, talking about what would be a good size for you combined with photos is really helpful.
1: Yeah, and uh, Whitney Johns just put something out. I, I guess she had. Uh... You know, say, ask me anything on her Instagram type thing. And somebody said, you know, what size are your implants? And she kind of said, well, I got to go through this because the size was something that I never thought I would have. And, you know, if you remember, we had Whitney on the podcast and she's, she's like five, nine, mm-hmm. five, 510 ish type of, uh, of a woman. And, you know, when she came in and she had a very, you know, poor setup with her implants and uh, and then I think they were like three twenty fives or something, three fifties, and and they 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 weren't awesome. And I said, well, you probably need about a six hundred cc implant. And she was like,
0: what?
1: <laughs> she lo- she, I mean, she I, she almost ran out of the office, yeah. and she, I was like, it's around that neighborhood, somewhere 500, 600, maybe six fifty. I'm not sure because I have to redo the pockets, and we had a lot of work to do. But she just did this whole piece on her story, which I really appreciated because. She said, you know, listen to your surgeon, because I would have never thought in a hundred years I needed a 580 CC implant. And now they're amazing. I would do this exactly over again because like, look how great they look. It's the right size for my situation. That is the key. And, and, you know, your surgeon will know that if you, if you like the look that they create, then go with it because it's, uh, they'll, they'll recreate that for you. That's what they do. That's what they do.
0: Yeah. I think that, and oh, I guess there's only one other thing we should talk about with implants. Um, and then wrap it up is smooth versus textured. And that is, uh, that's actually probably a big sticking point for some people. How about smooth? How about smooth, <laughs> right? So, what are we talking about here? So, we are talking about the outer coating of the implant. And this can go for saline or a silicone implant. It's the outer shell, the silicone shell. It can be smooth, which is exactly what it sounds like smooth, slick silicone or it can be textured. Textured kind of has like a soft velcro, uh not even soft, but like a velcro-y textured surface. We used textured implants back in the day when we had teardrop anatomic implants, which we also didn't talk about. <laughs> These are implants cuz
1: why should ew. we talk about those?
0: So, a teardrop or an anatomic implant. I it, have
1: a whole story about
0: those. We're going to we're going to go quickly through okay. it cuz we don't need to waste time on that. <laughs> Well, it was one of the original gummy bear implants that came out by Allergan, and it was designed to have a, quote, natural shape. So fuller on the bottom, more like a teardrop. And in order for that implant to maintain its positioning, the outer surface had to be textured so that it would stick to the surrounding tissues. Because what you don't want is that implant flipping right side up, and now it's upside down and looks really awkward. And it looks like
1: a shoe in your chest.
0: So that's why those (laughs) anatomic implants were textured. Whereas a round implant, which is what most implants are, if they you know flip the orientation and turn a circle, it's not a big deal unless they actually flip, flip, flip over. But if they just like spin, it's a circle. It's not a big deal. You don't notice anything. So that's why textured implants were sort of introduced. The textured implants did have some benefit in subglandular in, uh, implant placement, supposed a decreased risk of capsular contracture was a whole thing. So if you're doing subglandular, you should use a textured implant. Um the problem with textured implants is that they have a very, very rare but very real association with ALCL, which is a type of lymphoma. And even though the numbers are less than a thousand in the United States to date, it is still very much a real cancer and to this date has only ever been associated with textured implants we have never seen an incidence of it with a smooth implant and the thought is that it has to do with sort of the friction that's generated and the amount of biofilm that's around the implant and you know tucked into those different little holes and crevices to the extent that Allergan the big implant company took all of its textured devices off the market because out of the three implant companies they had the highest incidences of ALCL in their textured devices so they took them all off the shelves um for that reason, I don't use any textured devices ever. I, I just it's not worth it to me to have that even potential associated risk. like why would you want that? And they just don't really serve as much of a purpose for me, except in a subglandular pocket. It would be nice to have a textured implant. Um, decreased risks of capsular contracture. But even then, it's not worth the risk for me, so I just do a smooth in that case. But with the Motivas that will be coming out hopefully soon, those are a nanotextured device, and they're supposed to have a lot of promise for that situation.
1: Well, they're not even calling it texturing because the texturing process is very different. The way that uh, uh, I think Motiva is calling it something like... uh, I don't know. They had a different. They've taken name the for texture yeah, out they, of they the took name because because yeah. they aren't textured. They yeah. they use some sort of uh, laser process to carve the the outer shell with a which makes it a little bit of a rough surface. But it's very different. And in terms of capsular contracture, they're the lowest. I mean, yeah. that's by by far. It's not even close. And the the data is great. And the the implants are great, and I put a bunch of them in in Dubai, and I really like them, and I cannot wait to get them in the U.S. And I think, you know, since they're not using a chemical coating process, they're using a laser, there's not going to be that increased risk of, of right. any kind of cancer, um, let alone the this very, very rare form. But I, I just haven't put a whole lot of textured in either. I mean, I think I had to use one set one time in Dubai because that's all they, they carried And they carried it because of the lower risk of capsular contraction. It was a mentor implant. It was not allergen. And the allergen ones are the only ones that had that super high incidence, which is also extremely low, period. Period. It's like all comers, we're talking about a thousand cases, but still, it's it's a case. I I, I wouldn't ask for it. You know, it's like- Me neither. You know, it's like talking about the hockey on the hockey podcast. You know, one kid loses his life because he's not wearing a neck guard from a skate that cuts across his carotid artery. I'm wearing a neck guard. You know yeah. you got you you have a risk of getting cancer with these textured implants. I'm not using them. not using them. That's it. Yeah. It's like the, you don't if you know that, you don't need to do it, then don't do it. And I've used the silicone smooth silicone gels for so long they're amazing. Um, but you know, it's uh, it, everybody's going to do what they do. Every surgeon's going to have their own opinion, their own way of yeah. doing it. So that's why the communication between the doctor and the patient is so key because you want to get the best results possible
0: a thousand percent. So I thought this was going to be like a little podcast, but like we ended up going through a lot of stuff. <laughs> so
1: There's a lot to consider, and this is why consider. breast augmentation yeah. is not simple, and yeah. I, I, I just think everybody should get that out of their head that it's an easy procedure, and you should go to the lowest bidder for it. I don't think that's correct.
0: No, not at all. Go to the surgeon whose results you like, who you, know, you speak with and makes sense to you, and that listens to you and understands what you want, and then works with you using all of their knowledge and abilities to get you what you want. That's the the idea. It sounds good. Okay. Anything else?
1: No, I think you should take us out.
0: Okay. Well, then this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210.
1: If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach
0: me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests. Or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery.
1: And to reach me, the phone number is 310 777 my website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com, Instagram, drjcalvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon.